0: John Stewart is leaving The Daily Show, and so this is our very, very bad attempt at an audition for his spot. This is Industry Focus. Hey everyone, it's Thursday, it's time for the energy version of Industry Focus. I'm Taylor, I'm Tyler, this is Taylor. <laughs> it gets confusing. It gets getting confusing. John Stewart leaving The Daily I'm Show. I'm bummed. I'm pretty bummed out. A lot of people out
1: there pretty happy about it though i'm sure
0: i'm sure but you know what in in, they they need a new host so uh, we're going to make a really lame attempt at being the next john stewart we're going to see who's lamer yes let's uh, we both found some really really horrible horrible like reporting coverage news headlines Mm -hmm. in the past year what or actually in the past week even what did you see in your and just to show the sheer stupidity of the market and kind Mm -hmm. of in that John Stewart sort of vein. Well,
1: yeah, I think he, right now, with the oil prices doing what they're doing, everyone wants to make these ridiculous claims, get the headlines, um, get some clicks. And one of them that I saw from uh, Market Watch titled, 10 cheap energy stocks that could soar up to 202%. Wildly specific. Um, I looked at these 10 stocks. Most of them I had never even heard of before. All of them, but one was trading at under $5 a share. Arguably, you probably lost a lot of market cap in the last few months, but that was a stealth gas. Never heard of it, trading about $5.50. Only one I could see was a long-term buy in my mind, and that's clean energy fuels. All the other ones were small market cap companies that, they, yeah, they might pop in 2015 if oil does nothing but rebound from here, but if it, if it falls back down into the 40s again, you could lose 50 more percent rather than gain 202%. So this is just an analyst saying, if they hit their forward-looking guidance EPS, this is where they should be trading at in 12 months. I'm not a 12-month investor, I'm not a pop-and-drop kind of guy, so that that one just kind of caught me off guard.
0: Oh, gee. So you mean if oil prices were to go up by you know doubling where they right. are today, then these companies could double. What a shock.
1: I don't, I don't I understand can't. it. The it's math simple math. Yeah, I guess. Sense.
0: So I found one, and almost on the exact opposite of where you were looking at, these things of, that are going to pop like crazy, one of the dumbest ones I saw was... Uh, oil will go to $20 and it will be the end of OPEC. <laughs> These guys are <laughs> saying dum, dum. that OPEC, the largest cartel producing in the uh, cartel oil producers mm-hmm. in the world, they hold 40% of the world's reserves left, about 30% of production right now. Basically what they're saying is that the small players like the Venezuelas, the Nigerias, they're mad at Saudi Arabia cuz Saudi Arabia is holding production keeping prices yep. down right now and they're going to say we're done we're out this doesn't make any sense for us to be here anymore but this doesn't make any sense whatsoever it just seems like another one of those typical cases when we see oil price moves like this of somebody just wanting to get their name mm-hmm. out there on a thing so, or on a news Uh, Make it an outrageous call Yahoo Finance To say Top oil analyst Says end of OPEC Or something like that It just doesn't make Any sense I mean First off OPEC can't really Control prices In the first place In the 55 years That OPEC Has been A actual entity 16 years, we've seen oil price movements of more than 25%. So they're not really good at actually controlling right. the market in the way that they say it does. The, the global oil market is so fragmented that nobody has really more than 10%, 12% market share. And when there's that many players in the space, nobody can really control in it. In terms first. of countries. In terms okay, of yeah, countries, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, maybe you could argue that Saudi Arabia does because they do actually have the spare capacity right. so they can kind of play on the margins a little bit. But at the same time, you know, these countries, the Venezuelas, the Nigerias, whatever, they're just pure price takers. They can, they only can take what they can get. And if they were to leave OPEC, they have absolutely no say in the matter mm-hmm. whatsoever. At least if they stay in OPEC, they can be like, hey, Saudi Arabia, come on, let us give us a break here. We need a little bit better price so we can actually get things going. It just, it was one of those things I read it and I go, why are you even writing
1: this? Yeah, you get the circle back to Saudi Arabia's spare capacity if some country has decided to leave, all Saudi Arabia has to do is say, all right, it's a vendetta, we're going to produce to the, to the hilt and then really see who the, who the long-term player here is in the oil game. Venezuela and, and Iraq and Nigeria, they get priced right out of the market. They don't have the treasury capacity, the, the reserves and currency to, to last as long as Saudi Arabia does. And they can't produce it as cheaply. Yeah, it just it didn't make
0: any sense. Like, my brain hurt when I read this thing. <laughs> I'll listen
1: to Apollo Global, whose energy head said that the worst has yet to come for oil because OPEC could keep things the way they are for so long. They have the reserves. They have financial reserves. This could go on for a couple more years. I'll take the head of a private equity firm that's deeply involved in oil rather than a singular analyst talking about $20 oil and the end of OPEC. So
0: the oil market's going to do exactly as it's done for the past ten, twenty I'll bear years. It down and until continue, until continue until to do it, it for right. as long as we know it forever. But uh, moving on, going away from ridiculous. A little cleaner you, than oil. Cleaner than oil, and a little bit. Cheerier news. Yeah. Like it's not so ridiculous. We saw Apple uh, do a huge solar buy uh, this week, doing a $850 million power purchasing mm-hmm. agreement from a, uh, First Solar, who is building a utility scale uh, platform in California. Can you, why don't you break that down for us a little bit? Why, does this, why are these sort of things happening right now?
1: I think Apple just dropped some money on the ground and forgot to pick it back up, and First Solar was walking directly behind them. But uh, this is some spare change for Apple, but I think it's a big boost for the uh, the solar industry. Eight hundred fifty million dollars is a big project anywhere, much less for a singular company to, to contract this out. So a nice little boost for First Solar on the corporate side. They were struggling around the world for for new utility size business. So here Apple is coming out being innovative, um, and and just a few days. Before this, Miller Coors announced that they were going to build a facility in California through Solar City, um, hoping to save about 600 million gallons of water uh, that they traditionally use for nuclear facilities and, and fossil fuel facilities to produce as much power as this solar panel uh, facility is going to produce. They're talking about 10,000 solar panels and 3.2 megawatts of energy. So if you drink something from Miller Coors, There's a decent chance in the next few years that it's come from a solar-powered plant because they say it's going to be enough energy to brew 7 million cases a year. All right, Coors, the... Miller Coors, yeah. The
0: sustainable banquet
1: beer. That's right. I tweeted about this, and uh, I got an interesting reply from at Solar Secrets TPA. They were saying it could be a bit of a bitter brew since taxpayers could be on the, the... they could be held oh. reliable for uh, 30% of this total bill. And they also tweeted a similar tweet about the Apple deal. Uh, quote, You aren't going to claim the 30% tax credit on this $850 million PR stunt, are you? Uh,
0: I'm not going to. That sounds a little ridiculous. Yeah, they're just. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I agree. It, the one thing that I actually kind of liked about this whole thing, and it's not just a, a commentary on, on the market, but more actually just investors in general. Uh, this is a big, you know, $900 million for, for solar. is nothing mm-hmm. to shake a stick at. This is a really big deal. And what was funny was the company itself, the actual stock price in the day, didn't really move anywhere past 3 to 4%. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about that is it, it just seemed encouraging that the market is maturing. You know, you can sign a billion dollar deal and nobody's going to absolutely lose their yeah, minds right. and run around. And, oh, my a God. A year ago, this 15, could have been 20%, 15, 20%. Percent. Percent. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it almost feels like we're growing up. We've moved on, <laughs> we've graduated. You know, solar is a legitimate, uh, real market force that people aren't taking as this anecdotal, hey, this is cool, it's right. gaining momentum. This is a billion dollar deal. And it barely moved the needle for the company.
1: Yeah, I agree. And then, speaking of clean energy, um, I was going to mention this in my headlines, but uh, Vestas Wind Systems paying its first dividend since 2003. It turned a profit this year for the first time since 2010. So while it's cool that wind is making a profit, I'm a little discouraged if I would be if I was a shareholder here, wondering why the heck are you paying a dividend with just now making a profit. Why don't you pump the brakes a little bit, see if you can turn a profit for another year or so, maybe even another quarter or yeah, so, maybe getting before, you, before you pump a dividend out. Why don't you still worry about getting to scale, lowering of costs, efficiencies. Um, yeah, I, I don't see that dividend lasting too long. I haven't dove in personally, so I can't say that with 100% confidence, but it would worry me a little bit if a company turns a profit for the first time in five years and then issues a dividend. Yeah.
0: So things that we don't necessarily like to things that we love, it is going to be Valentine's Day. Day this weekend. And with it being Valentine's Day, we thought we'd have a fun little game here. All We're right. going to write love letters to our favorite companies or maybe even a company that we really like that hasn't, hasn't seen a lot of love mm-hmm. lately or anything like that. So what company do you want to send a love letter out to right now?
1: Well, this company isn't 100% tied to the energy sector, but about a quarter of its businesses, and that's Ecolab. They own Nalco and Champion, which is uh, it produces, you know, fluids for the for the production side of things. They're not out there in the exploration field, so um, while that's where a lot of the capex is going to be uh, curtailed, supposedly a lot of the announcements are talking about people not going out and looking for new oil, but the wells that are already drilled are going to continue to produce, and so the CEO was talking about. You know, The stock sold off around 15 to 20%, not nearly as bad as some of the oil companies, but 70% of its business can benefit from low oil prices, so I'm looking at this company. Um, it's a, it's pretty liquid, about $1.7 million uh, dollars worth of shares traded on an average basis, but um, I think that it sold off uh, unreasonably, and so I think that it could see a nice needs,
0: bump. Needs a little bit of love, huh? Yeah, I think so. Well. I almost feel like we should turn the lights down a little bit on this one. Yeah, you know, we should nice have brought some candles. Today? Can we do that a little bit? <laughs> we should but have brought some the candles. The one that I've, I've been looking at, I don't feel like, oh, <laughs> there like it is. Nice and dark. Oh, <laughs> that didn't that take long at much. all. That gets kind of <laughs> creepy, actually. Um, the one I want to point out is Magellan Midstream Partners. <laughs> okay. They get a whole lot of love from shareholders. Yeah, it's and overshadowed
1: they, by it, Kinder Morgan, Spectre, Yeah, those you kind you of You get those
0: big players out there that do way, way more business than these guys. So they kind of get shuffled under the rug, a little bit more misunderstood. You know, people might say that they're boring. You know, they transport crude oil and petroleum products for about 85% of their revenue comes off fee-based contracts rather than like Gotta love the toll booth WordPress. model. Yeah, toll booth model. And, you know, they posted record net income and distributable cash flow in this past quarter and for the entire year. Uh, plenty to cover its distributions with a little even extra, a little left over to pay for some of those projects. And, you know, People might or some investors may have given it a hard time recently uh, shares have done absolutely nothing mm-hmm. over this uh, past six, nine months or so as oil prices have plunged, and their guidance looked a little slower than expected but then again, uh, over these past six nine months, inventories at or basically term you know the amount of oil and uh, refined products that are being stored at magellan 's yeah. uh, terminals is at record highs and you know, the company's management basically is thinking a little conservative and saying, We're not going to see <laughs> record amounts of oil in our inventories, or at least we're not planning on it. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to keep this at a little bit lower level so that, you know, it doesn't look as good, but guess what? There's the, still that possibility for it.
1: There's something to be said for a conservative uh, nature exactly. in, in the mean, business world.
0: It, they, for the past, like, five, six years, they have always maintained a distribution coverage ratio of 1.4 or greater, plenty and plenty of room to grow grow the dividend mm-hmm. while at the same time leaving a little extra room to pay for those projects that they got coming on with some leftover cash flow. And then, you know, one of the nice things about it is, as you would say, as for a woman, it's a free spirit. Uh, it's not tied down by one of those general partners that where they have to give up half of their assets or half of their cash flow uh, in the form of an incentive distribution right, meaning that they have a little bit more flexibility to do what they want with that dividend, mm-hmm. or if they want to say, you know, maybe we're not going to grow it as much this year because we want to throw a bunch more money into new projects and grow. Giving that a little bit more flexibility, I really love what they're doing. I think, you know, between the toll booth model and the opportunities that are out there for them, it's hard not to love that company.
1: Yeah, we're at storage levels, record storage levels, right? Now. Exactly not too bad, not too shabby.
0: So, uh, that is all that we have for this week for you guys. Taylor, thanks very so much for joining yeah. us. Uh, um, hey,
1: good luck on the daily show.
0: Yeah, well, I I think we pretty much absolutely <laughs> failed that uh that interview, but you know what? Maybe there's still a shot, right?
1: Yeah. Still a shot. Hopefully.
0: Well, for ne- until next week, I'm Tyler. This is Taylor. See ya.